Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to to see which one does it better on this week's Valentine's Day specials. In the red corner, the underbelly of Los Angeles in the early 90s. It's a world of sex workers and pimps roaming the streets, while from their Beverly Hills penthouses, the ultra-rich dismantle the industrial heart of America. It's a world like you've never seen it before as love blossoms in the most unlikely of relationships she walks off the street and into his heart from 1990 it's pretty woman when i was a little girl i would pretend i was a princess trapped in the tower and then this knight on a white horse would come charging up and rescue me you tell me how to get to beverly hills sure for five bucks you can't charge me for directions i can do anything i want to baby I am lost. All right, okay. You change for 20? For 20, I'll show you a person. While in the blue corner, fact. Some person once said, you can't buy love. Fact. Robert Redford disagrees and sets out to prove that's simply not true with the help of his gorgeously feathered hair and $1 million. But hey, Demi Moore and Woody Harrelson, what's the real cost, huh? We'll answer that question and more, as from 1993, we have for you one indecent proposal. Excuse me? Would you mind lending me your wife? Excuse me? For luck. What do we got to lose? I got money, I got security, I have businesses, but you have something that I just don't have. Suppose I were to offer you $1 million for one night with your wife. So what connects these two films and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles Valentine's Week Specials. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Butters. When I was a little girl, my mama used to lock me in the attic when I was bad. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Hilly. <laughs> <laughs> I say, what a strong start! <laughs> it can only go downhill from here. Uh, how are you both doing? Uh, once again, I, I miss your faces. We are obviously recording remotely. Victoria, how's things? 
It's okay. It's getting on my nerves a bit, <laughs> but not this. This is lovely. Uh, just generally everything else is getting on my nerves a bit. But um, hey, I'll try not to bring that aggression and actual rage to this space because this is a nice space. Yeah. Well, you've done that, that bit. That's you sort of, you've, you've let it all out now. So the rest of the show is going to be great. Chris, yeah. how are you? Missing the pub. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't it weird? That's what I'm missing. I'm missing out. I'm missing going for dinner. I could really go for dinner right now. Have someone else cook for me. That would be lovely. <laughs> snails. Would you go and have snails? Try them. They're a delicacy, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stop telling me what to eat, Richard. Anyway. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a fun show. Right then. Um, so this week's clash is Pretty Woman versus Indecent Proposal, or as I'm calling it, splash some money and get some honey. <laughs> <laughs> these, <laughs> these were Victoria's choices. Uh, any particular reason that these are your Valentine's Day choices, Victoria, what is it about these films that says romance? Uh, money. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think, hey, what is... So last year we did The Fly and... Hellraiser for Valentine's. Mm. Um, so this year, I thought we'd uh, we'd really look at what love is and, and what it's about, and that's about measuring value in money. Um, and it makes me reflect on what I think I might get for Valentine's Day this year, which is probably a chicken tikka masala, but probably not, but because I'm quite difficult to live with, especially at the moment. Okay, well that's good. That answers the question of why we are talking about these movies. I mean, that's a nice, that's a perfect Valentine's Day gift. The chicken tikka masala is it's lovely. Why it's, we, gift yeah, that, it's a if... gift that keeps giving. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, right, what was the clue you gave us last week to set us up for these movies? I believe it was money can't buy me love. Oh, no, wait, it definitely can. Yep, and it can buy a chicken tikka masala as well. Chris, you followed that up on Twitter with... Age is just a number and love don't come for free. Age is just a number and love don't come for free. Feels like there should be a song. So we had a right answer and the first right answer in on Twitter from the guesses this week belongs to a one, Mr. James Ozipu. There were numerous right answers. He was the fastest. Congratulations, James. Although he did say, I haven't even listened to the pod. Uh, that's just based on Chris's Twitter clue, which is a little bit naughty. Uh, I think you should. You should definitely listen to the pod. Uh, so based on that, we are now tracking whether you listen to the pod or not. <laughs> we have the technology to do that. It's just your sort of everyday data farming exercise, but please keep listening. So if you haven't followed us on Instagram, we are also on Instagram at ClashPod. Without further ado, shall we talk about the connections between Vicky's choices? What have you got? Well, I, I, uh, one of my clues was age is just a number because of the age gap. Um, as we see time and time again in these Hollywood movies, there's an old man uh, hooking up with a much younger woman. It's uh, 18 years difference between Richard Gere and Julia Roberts and 26 years between Robert Redford and Demi Moore. Whoa. <laughs> Lovely. Um, I've got one. I've got one. Yep. Are you ready? Hey, ladies, mm -hmm. with the right dress, you too can fuck a rich guy. Hey, rich guys, <laughs> with the right bullshit personal backstory, you too can fuck a hot girl. <laughs> uh, 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 that's better than my dress to impress pun uh, which is <laughs> I had the same thing but shorter uh, yeah famous dress scenes uh, the red dress that Vivian wears to the opera has been listed about as one of the most unforgettable dresses of all time uh, ditto the I hope I'm saying this correctly 
Thierry Mugler dress from a decent proposal that Demi Moore wears that is also on the list of the most unforgettable dresses in movies. Judgy shop assistants. I've got mm. that. That's yep. mine. Uh, apparently, working as a shop assistant in a fashion shop apparently goes straight to your fucking head. You would just, yeah. If anyone enters that shop, you're like, who the fuck are they getting in my shop? Uh, building on what Vicky said about bullshit backstories, also uh, both films featuring our so-called heroes making inspiring speeches, uh, one about opera and one about architecture, which is supposed to make you see their depth but only serve to make me hate them. <laughs> oh, I, I will get there, but I disagree about the bricks. Disagree 100%. <laughs> Wait, that's what that's Woody Harrelson's speech. I don't think you mean that speech. You mean... Fucking Robert Redford going, I uh, saw a girl oh on the God. tube once, then I couldn't see her, <laughs> no. and that made me sad. And Richard Gere going, No, I missed the, the opera, speech, right? but that's fine. We, we, I have stuff to say oh, about really? the other speech oh. as well, so <laughs> we got them all to do. Um, it, okay. it never rains in LA unless you are proclaiming your love for your ex. <laughs> that's excellent. <laughs> and the rain still looks so rubbish as well. <laughs> like, it's the 90s, whatever, but yeah, good one. Uh, Strange scenes with food. Uh, to me, more pours a bowl of chocolates into a handbag for some reason, and uh, Julia Roberts is presented with a breakfast buffet of everything and chooses a dry croissant. Yeah, but that's because did you notice on the breakfast buffet of everything there's bacon with kiwi fruit? So fair enough. <laughs> oh shit! I thought it was oh, avocado, it was. but this was the nineties, and avocados exactly, didn't exist yeah, in the nineties. Too, too soon, there were so, not. That- that's the scene where the food that she's eating in her hand changes three times. It does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that. <laughs> uh, uh, I got one more. Rich people pastimes. Uh, both films feature feature pastimes that uh, only rich people do. Uh, one being going to polo matches, and the other attending garden parties where you bid on hippos <laughs> with Billy Connolly. <laughs> with Billy fucking Connolly. Oh, there's lots. There's lots to discuss, isn't there? Right then, uh, let's crack on. Um, I will be making an indecent proposal to you all on Thursday, which means today Chris is pimping out Pretty Woman. Chris, take us on a journey. Boy meets girl. Boy offers girl $20 for directions. Then boy offers girl $100 for an hour. Then boy offers girl $300 for the night. Then boy offers girl $3,000 for the week. Then boy offers girl even more money for clothes... Then girl falls in love with boy, the end. Pretty woman, Beautiful. in a nutshell. So, um, where did you guys first see this film? Alex, let's start with you. Uh, no idea. Literally, I have no idea. I, I, it must have been quite late uh, because I remember watching it and being like, no, George Costanza, you're mm. not a rapist. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? This isn't funny. So I was very upset by Jason Alexander's uh, sexual assault on Julia Roberts because I knew him as George Costanza. Um, But yeah, I actually thought it was an 80s movie. I was so surprised when I was like, 1990? Because literally everything about it screams 1980s to me. Um, And I also thought Richard Gere actually picked her up as a prostitute. So my memories of this movie are sketchy. I've definitely seen it, but I thought he genuinely was curb crawling at the start, which granted would have been a very different film and a harder sell. (laughs) Uh, yeah, he kind of was in the original script, which we'll, which we'll get onto. But uh, how about you, Vicky? I, it was quite recently. But when I say recently, I mean like in the last 10 years. So I came to it too late to not find it troubling. I think if I'd have seen it when I was 
uh, or when it came out or when I was really young, I, I would have been really swept along by the, the fairy tale elements of it. And not that I'm not, but I, I was just too old to not be like, sorry. Um, but it's better <laughs> when you know what's coming. Excuse the pun. So. <laughs> Excellent. Um, well, I, I was annoyed by this film at first, but not for the obvious reasons, for a more geeky reason. Uh, so this was 12 when I came out and my dad used to work for an American company and he'd get sent all the American papers and I'd always ask him the newspapers each day and I'd always ask him to save me the movie section so I could read that. And I remember the first time I heard of this film, I was super annoyed because I couldn't understand why a film was beating my beloved Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at the top of the box office. I couldn't understand why a film starring a woman I'd never heard of was doing better business than the Turtles, which is weird for a 12-year-old kid to be bothered by that. Yes, it <laughs> but is. I have, I have this very specific memory of being very annoyed by this woman in this film. Wow. Uh, why, why in my mind, why, I, why in my mind are you wearing slippers, smoking a pipe by an open fire with an American <laughs> copy of the New York Times going, oh, this is unacceptable? <laughs> that is, how did you know? <laughs> Um, so yeah that was my first memory and then I guess I watched it probably quite young I would have watched it as soon as it came out on video I reckon when I was about 13 14 and I didn't particularly like it very much but and then it's one of those films that just is always seems to be on the telly and I'm always catching bits of it because bits of it are quite entertaining so I think I've seen it over and over again but just in little sort of 10 minute segments throughout my life So um, let's talk a bit about uh, the making of Pretty Woman. Um, You know, Alex, you said it it felt like an 80s movie to you. I mean, it was shot in 89 and um, it was written in the 80s. So um, a guy called J.F. Lawton was a struggling screenwriter um, specialising in what he referred to as comedies and ninja scripts. (laughs) Um, And he was getting nowhere. So he tried to do something more serious to get some attention. And he wrote a script called Red Sneakers, which was about a one-legged lesbian stand-up comedian who was an alcoholic. And that apparently got him a lot of attention. That got him into rooms. And so uh, people wanted to read his next script. And so he said he was inspired by films like Wall Street and The Last Detail. And and that's what um, got him working on 3000, it was called at the time, uh, and what he called a dark fable about a financially destroyed America and the perils of showing the good life to people who had never experienced it before. Um, did either of you have a look at this original 3000 script that was very different to what Pretty Woman became? No. I glanced. I glanced over it. Uh, you know, she was uh, she was taking drugs and it was pretty dark and... That's all I remember. Yeah, I've read the script um, and I'll sort of drop in little details when we're going through the movie about what the original version of some of those scenes were because it's very different in tone and quite surprising and quite shocking at times. Um, But uh, there was an article that Vanity Fair did uh, five years ago on the anniversary of this film, six years ago now, and uh, they got some good quotes from him. He, he, the screenwriter said, Wall Street had either come out or was coming out. I'd heard about it and the whole issue about the financiers who were destroying companies. I kind of thought about the idea of uh, one of those people would meet somebody who was affected by what they were doing. So he developed it, the script at the Sundance Institute. It was purchased by a company called Vestron. They went bust and the Disney's right that the rights went to Disney, who were looking for something dark to keep director Gary Marshall at the studio after the success of his last film, Beaches. 
Uh, and Gary Marshall was interested in it, and I'm quoting here. Um, he said, because he knows the kind of thing that will hit globally. He says, everyone knows what a prostitute is, and everyone knows what a princess is. And that's why he did Pretty Woman and then The Princess Diaries. Um, <laughs> so he wanted it to be lighter, um, and he wanted to make a film where the main characters were essentially Rapunzel, Prince Charming, and the fairy godmother. Um, so a bunch of people rewrote it, including Lawton himself, and, and Marshall was involved in, in, a, in a rewrite. But while they were touring the script, they tried to cast the two leads. And did you guys see who was in the running to potentially play these characters? There were loads of people, mm. really interesting people as well. I've got a favourite. You, if When you go through the list, I'll tell you the two people, because I went through it and was like, there are two people who I would quite happily have seen play these roles. Um, all right, shall I go through some of the guys? There was Christopher Reeve, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, Kevin Klein, and Denzel Washington. Um, Charles Grodin came very close. He screen tested uh, with Julia Roberts. And uh, Burt Reynolds turned it down. <laughs> Yeah. Feelings about that. He's Alex? not actually. He's he's not actually. I mean, I, you know, I, you know my feelings towards Bert. I'm a, I love Bert, and I would have loved to see Bert in this. But he's not the person I would have picked for that role. And um, of those guys, I actually think Christopher Reeve would have been amazing in the role of Edward. I think he's just the right kind of. He's so charming, and he's got that. that there's something about watching the movie, knowing that it could have been Christopher Reeve. You can see him in that role really well. Mm. Would you have would you have wanted any of those, Vicky? Um, well, the thing is, my main issue with this film is Richard Gere. So yeah, anyone apart from Richard Gere. Yes. I'm <laughs> Isn't with, that I'm awful? With you on that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Richard Gere. Um uh, actresses who turned down the female lead uh, apparently include Karen Allen, Molly Ringwald, Emily Lloyd, Daryl Hannah, and Meg Ryan. Um a few more who were considered Karen Allen. Karen Allen's the one I'd go for. So my <laughs> ideal pairing, if it wasn't Julia <laughs> Roberts. And um, and uh, Richard Gere, I would definitely have Christopher Reeve and Good Karen idea. Allen. Now, tell me when you visualise that. That isn't a great movie. It's a much older um, female lead, though, isn't it, in Karen Allen? But I think, you know, I think, I mean, yes, you need to do rewrites because the whole thing is that, you know, Vivian hasn't been a prostitute for that long in the movie. But I, I think there's something to be said for someone who is a little more, you know, worldly and experienced in that role because she really, like, seems to be a, a very like worldly character and yet she's only been on the streets a very short time. Mm. Yeah, she's kind of, she she kind of it's fine. I buy it. I don't have a problem with it because it helps sell the fairy tale, but she kind of is but kind of isn't. So she's quite salty, she's got attitude, but she doesn't use drugs and she hasn't been doing it that long. And she has some experience but not too much experience that she would be thoroughly jaded, put off everything. Do you know what I mean? So she's she's halfway there. So some other actresses who were in the running, Winona Ryder, Jennifer Connelly, Mary Steenburgen, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee and Diane Lane. But it sounds like the actors who came closest to playing the roles were Al Pacino and Michelle Pfeiffer, okay. which I could totally see that version of the film as well. Um, but they ultimately turned down the roles with Pfeiffer stating she didn't like the tone of the film. And a lot, a few of these actresses who turned it down were just very, sort of bothered by the subject matter. So uh, so relative unknown, Julia Roberts uh, was cast. She'd done Mystic Pizza and was about to receive an Oscar nomination for Steel Magnolias, but that hadn't even been released yet. So they were taking a bit of a punt on her. Um, but she was the first person cast in the film. And then uh, Richard Gere turned it down a few times. He... He, he didn't think there was a part there. He said it's just a suit, not a role. Um, he didn't. Do you know, I found, um, 
I found a little quote from Richard Gere that he gave much later when talking about uh, the film. Uh, he says, I never thought that I would be able to do a film like that. I didn't think I had this skill set for that. I'm a pretty intense guy. <laughs> Who actually calls themselves intense. Who does that? You just don't. That's like that's like the person who goes, yeah, uh, I describe myself as a troubled artist, so that's my thing. Uh, or, or the person in the group of friends. You know, every group of friends is a person who goes, yeah, they say I'm the crazy one. Now other people call you intense. That is someone else's job. Richard Gere is a surprising choice for this role because he's a very intense man. Don't do it yourself. Um, but he agreed to meet with Julia Roberts and sparks flew when they met each other. There was instant chemistry. Uh, he said he felt he knew as soon as he went in the room with her and, and quite sweet. They had an anniversary recently and, and Roberts was saying that while she was talking to, to Richard Gere in that first meeting, Gary Marshall phoned Richard Gere up. And while he was on the phone to Richard Gere, Judy Roberts wrote him a little note saying, please say yes. And he said yes. And so the deal was done. Um, oh, wow. But it was a big adjustment for Roberts because the script she signed up to was the 3000 script, was the much more serious, dramatic version of this film. So she had to really adjust her performance. Um, and, and she said that there were times when they were shooting a couple of different versions of scenes from the serious to the very serious to the funny to the very funny. And so the toe was all over the place, it sounds like, while they were shooting it. Um, but they settled on what they settled. And yeah, the film has received some criticism. We're sure we'll go into some of that. But, but Gary Marshall on the commentary um, says that um, he believes you don't have to make a picture that is real. You want to make a picture that the audience believes is real. And that's the tone and the, and the story he was trying to tell here. He'd already kind of made this in reverse, hadn't he? Like where she is the wealthy one and he is the less wealthy one in Overboard, which I watched as a kid and absolutely loved. That was a Gary Marshall film, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's a much, that's a more, is it? Is that Gary Marshall? Wow. Um, that's a more um, troublesome yeah. film though, isn't it? I think if you revisit it today in terms of <laughs> falling a woman into, into falling, having sex with you and falling in love with you. No, when I was eight, when I was eight, it was a brilliant plan by Kurt Russell in that movie and somehow softened because Goldie Hawn was his wife by the time I'd seen it. So it was like, it's all right, they're married. So this is all fun and games. <laughs> mm, it sounds like something we should maybe visit on this podcast. <laughs> Traumatise Alex. Uh, should we talk about the movie? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Uh, we kick off with... Uh, what I'm calling the meat cute. Although actually the film starts at a party and we hear someone saying it's all about money, stating our theme with the first line of the movie off screen from a character who we don't know. Um, yeah. And there's also, there's also a really shoddy moment in that party scene that makes you go, is this film going to be really sloppily made? Because when Richard Gere is talking to his ex, Jessica, on the phone, and she's going, I don't want to be part of your life anymore. You just, you know, you're never there. I speak to your secretary more than you. And he's like, okay. And she goes, goodbye. Goodbye, Edward, and hangs up. And after you hear the phone click off, he then goes, goodbye, Jessica, into the phone. <laughs> now, I get that if you're saving face in front of people, but he's on his own in that room, which makes him look weird. Like he doesn't know how phones work. Like he assumes she's still there, even though she's hung up, which is just odd. 
Oh, it's it's because he's so intense. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But we establish, uh, you know, this scene is establishing Edward is a ladies' man because we're told it several times. Um, In the commentary from 2005 that I listened to that Gary Marshall did, he compares him to Donald Trump here. And actually throughout the film, he keeps stating that he's basically Donald Trump. So that's who who Gary Marshall had in his mind when he was shooting uh, this movie. Uh, We meet his lawyer. Um, who, as Alex says, is uh, George Costanza. Uh, he's called Phil <laughs> Phil Stucky, uh, Stucky throughout the film. And, yeah, he's driving. Uh, he drives Stucky's car down uh, to get to Beverly Hills, and he's getting lost while the king of wishful thinking plays on the soundtrack. What a banger and, that is. Um, <laughs> it's a It's a... It's a major, major banger. And actually, the whole soundtrack's it's really, really good. good. I listen to this. I listen to this soundtrack a lot on my personal stereo when I was walking to the shops to get the papers of a Saturday. Um, <laughs> uh, 40, 40 at 14. <laughs> Pretending I'm Edward. Um, <laughs> uh, being intense. Uh, and so at the same time, we're seeing... Um, Edward drive around Beverly Hills. We also get uh, some glimpses at Vivian, who's in a hotel, but um, only the H-O, did you notice this, is lit up outside the hotel, so it's hotel. Oh, great. Um, (laughs) No, I didn't notice that. I was too busy noticing. Yeah, we meet Vivian. What's the first thing you see of Vivian? You see her fanny. That is a fact. It opens on her knickers. So that tells you everything you need to know about this Mm. woman. She is her fanny. I'm not saying I have a problem with that, but that is just a fact. Is it not her legs as well? Are we not getting a look at her long legs? Possibly. Yeah. Have you, have either of you, um, I've actually filmed outside the hotel um, where they shot that, where Vivian lives, which is genuinely right next to Hollywood Boulevard. Have either of you ever been to Hollywood Boulevard? Yes. Yes. Right. Do you not agree that this movie, considering this is meant to be a little bit like, oh, this is the grubby end of Los Angeles, this is a very sanitised version of Hollywood Boulevard. There is only one crazy person shouting in this scene. Hollywood Boulevard, in reality, is fucking terrifying. Like, everyone goes there, like, because you think, hey, it's tourist town, it's Hollywood Boulevard, man's Chinese theatre, brilliant, let's go down. Last time I was there, because there were loads of um, what I would call Mm. nutters, dressed up as yeah, superheroes <laughs> trying to get tourists to have their photos with them. Last time I was there, I watched a kid about to have his photo taken with Batman, at which point the kid saw Spider-Man. Instead, he runs over to Spider-Man, at which point Batman walked over and kicked the living shit out of Spider-Man before the cops <laughs> turned really, up. That's really how you really rule shooting an ep- uh, sure they weren't shooting Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was... <laughs> Only one of those is an MCU character, so unless it was some sort of Zack Snyder crossover, (laughs) Batman versus Spider-Man, no, it wasn't. It was genuinely a massive fucking fight between superheroes, and they all know each other. So like the Green Lantern jumped in at one point to try and break them up. It was unbelievable. Uh, (laughs) In terms of Vivian uh, being in her underwear in this scene and uh, seeing her body, there was some controversy in this film about Julia Roberts' body, is it or isn't it? Because on the poster, it isn't her body. uh, and like in this Donna Scroggins, isn't it? Yeah, and in this scene, they claim it wasn't her body, but Gary Marshall says it definitely is her body in this scene. It is her, but you, there's a reason you're not seeing her face because he doesn't want the audience to know that she has brown hair, blonde hair, brown hair. You know, yeah. that's a reveal for later in the film. So that's why she's got a pillow on her face in this scene. Yeah. Also, who cares? Like, how goo. Like, it's so weird to be like, is it her body? Isn't it her body? Who gives a shit? She's playing a character in a film. It doesn't matter. Move on. <laughs> 
I know, but I remember what I remember looking at the poster though. It's not so much Julia Roberts <laughs> but that bothers me on the poster and whether it is or isn't her body. It's the fact that Richard Gere on the poster has jet black hair, uh, <laughs> which is like it's a it's not his body on the poster, it's his head, but then it's not even his hair. So literally it's just the the bit between like his his hairline and his chin. That's the only bit of Richard Gere on that fucking I'd poster. I never noticed that before this week, and that is it absolutely blew my mind. I mean, I had to go, I was looking at photos from the film to make sure he's completely Completely grey in this film, and he looks—he looks, he looks <laughs> really—he looks really distinctive. You know, yeah. they keep putting him in grey suits to, to bring out the hair, and so it's kind of like it's <laughs> almost like a trademark of Richard Gere. And so to make his hair jet black on the poster just absolutely blows my mind. Uh, <laughs> did he, did either of you notice who the uh, actor was playing the cop who's at the murder site? Uh, which I, I will say. I thought it was going to be a subplot in the movie because I was like, "Is it yeah, a murder?" It's thingy that's, from. Um, that's just, I recognise that guy. Point blank. What's he called? Hank Azaria. Yes. Hank Azaria. Yeah, this is the very first movie he had any lines in. So this was a long time before he starred in a Broadway version of Monty Python's Spamalot alongside Tim Curry. And that completes this week's obligatory Tim Curry Lovely. reference. And did you recognise the homeless man who says, who points, who jokes about it being Sylvester Stallone's house? No. That is Gary Marshall, director oh, Gary he? Marshall, <laughs> who, who you should recognise from his really weird cameo in Hocus Pocus that we did quite recently. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so at this point, you know, we meet we meet Vivian and her friend Kit. And in the original script, um, Vivian has been streetwalking for six years. Um, Kit has emphysema and they both want to buy crack at this point in the film. Yep. <laughs> um, so uh, Lotus, uh, Edward's Lotus stalls and, and Vivian charges him $20 for directions to Beverly Hills and uh, takes him there. Um, as I say, in that original script, he he's not picking. He he does get lost, but he picks her up to sleep with her, not not for the directions. So it, the whole thing kicks off in quite a different way. Can we talk about the the car briefly? Obviously, because um, it's, it is a Lotus Esprit uh, or a Sprit, uh, whichever you fancy. Uh, Vivian gets in and she says things like, "This has four cylinders. This must corner like it's on rails. Let me show you what this baby can do." And so very quickly, you learn that Vivian loves product placement. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Because apparently, wasn't it Ferrari and Porsche went, you can't use our car because prostitutes. So Lotus uh, said, you can have one of ours, which is why we get all those fucking ridiculous lines about how amazing that car is uh, that never come up again. In the whole movie, she never mentions cars again. But for that car journey, you're like, shit, there's going to be a big car thing that Vivian has. It makes her seem worldly and knowledgeable about cars and earthy. Yeah, don't they say later on that she she used to have a job parking cars at wrestling? She does say that. Yeah, you're right. What, yeah. Do, is that a job? Yeah, I, don't you park I, your I, own car at wrestling? <laughs> <laughs> and she also, what the, what the other thing she says, when Richard Gere is like, yeah, I break up companies and sell the, sell them off. And she goes, oh, you what? You mean like stealing cars and selling them for parts? And you can sort of see the movie desperately trying to go, that wasn't product placement <laughs> at the start. See, she, we're, we're carrying on. You're like, don't don't try. It's fine. That bit's over. You don't have to keep up the charade that Vivian is interested in cars. But I'm guessing, I'm guessing Lotus sales uh, seriously went up after this because this was the biggest film of 1990 pretty much. And and it kind of you know was connecting it. You drive this Lotus, you can get a girl like Julia Roberts. I bet I bet they did all right off the no, back of that. No, just if you have twenty dollars, you can get a girl like Julia Roberts. You don't need a car. <laughs> Do you not see the film? She's a prostitute. 
<laughs> well, indeed, and, it, and it, it's sex worker, please, uh, Vicky. Um, and so uh, Edward ends up inviting her up to his penthouse. Um, it covers her up as they go through the hotel, order champagne and strawberries. Can we just talk about, get, sorry, um, I won't do it too much because obviously it doesn't work when we can't see each other. But my main issue with this film is what a dick Richard Gere's character is. So I would just like to shout out moments mm. when he's a real dick. And it starts oh, with yes. the lift. Go for it. When she's like, he's like, oh, first time in a lift. Fuck you. Then when he orders champagne, try the <laughs> strawberries. It brings out the taste. Fuck you twice. Don't tell me how to drink my drink. And also, you don't even drink. What's in the strawberries, you fucking psycho? Run for your life, Vivian. Run for your fucking life. <laughs> so there'll be more of those coming up as we go through. Uh, there's quite a few. But let me just I, get those off my chest. I kind of, I kind of agree with you, but... I mean, if he knows something that she might not know about how to bring out the, the flavour of the champagne using strawberries or vice versa, I think that's just imparting something that someone might not know. I did actually look that up because I was like, is that for the movie? And apparently the champagne has to be extra dry uh, champagne for that to work. And it's all down to personal preference. So, for example, I I prefer uh, Smirnoff Ice and knickknacks, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> You know, it's up to you. <laughs> um, uh, as you said, Edward doesn't uh, drink. He doesn't drink because he doesn't drink in the film. In the script, he doesn't drink be- in that original script because his liver has rotted away. Whoa. Um, <laughs> here- <laughs> I'm so sorry. This original script sounds like it's just the idea of like, uh, what are we going to keep? Well, we'll lose her on crack, but do you want to keep his rotten liver? Because that might work. Yeah, and it's weird the stuff they keep or they don't keep. Like, she doesn't tip in the film because she's kind of ignorant and innocent of that. Yeah. In the script, she doesn't, in that original script, she doesn't tip because it's only one bottle and she doesn't think it's worth tipping if they're only bringing one bottle up. Oh, okay. So I would either, I don't know, I'll just chuck the whole thing away. Anyway, uh, we learn a few things about the characters. He's afraid of heights. That's going to come back later. Love that. Um, so he hmm. won't go on the balcony. Uh, we're immediately kind of alerted to their differences. He plans everything and she lives moment to moment. Um, but what they do have in common is they're both very interested in money and both um, like to negotiate. Um, so they're, they're, they negotiate for the entire night and he ends up paying $300. Um, in this- How does that work? I mean, I, I'm fascinated because it's $100 for an hour now, let's say she stays there eight hours. That would be $800, but she asked for $300. Now, is this, and this is a genuine question, does a sex worker's rate go down for the hours that they're asleep? A, Why are you asking yeah, Vicky and me? Yeah, I'm not being uh, Sorry, snide. sorry, Vicky, you were clearly going to answer. Yeah. Go for it. I think it's like, without being snide, <laughs> it's like a discount for like a bulk buy kind Ooh. of thing. But also in her, yeah, exactly. in her line of right. work, she's, she, she obviously she pitches it too low because he would have paid more. But it's not eight hundred because she could go out and not make another dollar that night because she might not get any other custom. Or the gamble is if she stays with him for three hundred, she's missing out on another five hundred she could be making. So she's split it down the middle as a sensible bargaining price, I believe. Okay. And in that original okay. script, she says to him that he'll have to pay extra if he wants to do it in the arse. Of course. So, um, oh well. <laughs> Well, so here she says, I'll do every. That's so funny. Because she, she says, I, I'll do everything apart from kiss on the lips. And you sort of go, oh, I don't think you should say that. You should say, 
I just won't kiss on the lips. I don't think you should sort of volunteer. I will do absolutely fucking yeah. anything, but no kissing on the lips, especially when it's Richard Gere in the 90s because, <laughs> well, hey, right? Oh, yeah, that, yeah, there's a topical reference Alex. from 1994. Alex, <laughs> our lawyer's on the line. <laughs> uh, do you know, I have one quote from it. I have one quote from it because I just didn't know about this. Um, apparently, it was Sylvester Stallone that started that rumour, or at least Richard Gere thinks it was, because Sylvester Stallone fired him from a movie in like the 70s. And there's a quote from Sylvester Stallone going, he even thinks I'm the individual responsible for the rumour. Not true, but it's the rumour. Well, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm sure people could Google it if they want to find out. Um, In terms of the sex here, before they get down to the sex, she has a carpet picnic. She does. And I wanted to ask about this. Again, I'm not judging it because... Well, the overarching theme for me today is I like this film. I don't like Richard Gere. Um, But she is lying on the floor on her stomach and she's kicking her legs in the air and she's laughing at the telly and she's having a carpet picnic. So she is a child in that scene. And then is that attractive? And then she's not a child very quickly because then they have sex. Is that... Is that what the film is saying, that a childlike woman is the most attractive woman? She's not very, like, urbane or mature in that scene. She's like a kid. Disgust. I mean, I think they're trying to show her as being normal. Just it, normal is what they're going for. But I agree with you. She does seem like a little girl. Yeah, yeah I think she's sort of forgotten. Well, I, I think she's being herself there. I think she's sort of dropped the facade because she's forgotten to keep up the facade because he's gone, I'll pay for you for the night. Uh, but first, while you're here, I'm going to do a lot of admin. <laughs> I've got some bills that I'm going to yeah. go through to just entertain yourself. And I, I do worry for Edward here because I feel like she has now spent more on his minibar bill than he's paid on her as a person. <laughs> it's a nice hotel and that's a lot of crap she's got out of that minibar. But yeah, you never, you never, never touch the minibar. You pop to a 7-Eleven <laughs> before you check in, grab what you need, yeah. then go into the room. That minibar, it's just a joke. Uh, so they have sex. We don't see anything really this is a very tame version of this story um and then he asks her the next morning when she comes out of the bathroom looking like a movie star um he asks her to spend the weekend with him as an employee to be at his beck and call making him making her his beck and call girl very good uh for for three grand is the sum of money they agree on uh in that original script um he wants her to stay for the week but simply because he doesn't have the energy to chase down other girls to stay with him throughout the week um and uh initially the charge is two thousand dollars but he ups it to three thousand dollars as long as she promises she won't do drugs for the week so that's how it plays out oh yeah that always works out I thought the little uh, the, the little dental floss scene is quite cute, though, because I, I couldn't remember, like I said, this movie. I was like, oh, shit, it's a whole drugs thing. And then yeah, I was kind of disappointed, from, but kind of pleased. It kind of works, apart from he's judging McJudge the whole way through, and he's like, I will not have drugs in my bathroom, but I will pick up a sex worker. It's like, don't judge her for what she's about to do. It's another one of my fuck you, Richard Gere moments. Secondary two, where'd you learn to tie a tie? Fuck you. Go and buy something new to wear. Nothing too sexy. Also, fuck you. Carry on. Yeah, but there's a balance, though, because he does go, I wasn't sure what you like to eat, so I ordered everything on the breakfast menu, uh, which which if you were the Beverly Hills Wiltshire, you would be thoroughly fuming at, because like three plates of stuff there. I swear, a five-star hotel has more breakfast options than he buys, which makes him a liar. <laughs> You're <you>. right. <laughs> and on that bombshell, yeah, you, we're going to take a break. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Stakhanov's award-winning football mockumentary, The Offensive, is available to listen to now. After securing Premier League survival last season, Ashwood City have a new boss. The new manager, Sven Goran Eriksson. I am delighted to be the new head coach at Ashwood City Football Club. But unfortunately, the same old chief executive. Oh, fuckity. Fuckity fuck fuck. Stupid comments from an ex-player chanting make Ashwood great again. Big fucking deal. You know, if he thinks that any of those empty words have had even the slightest impact on Patrick Nolan, MBE, then he is dreaming. Stupid big idiot twat. Fucking wank wank. Bollock face. Follow Ashwood City on and off the pitch every Premier League match week. 
I can't even get easy peelers in my local MS at the moment, Sven, let alone a fullback from Rail Sociedad. I just have a list of players I'd like to bring into your squad. <sighs> okay, well, let me know when you have a list of players you'd like to bring out of the squad. Described by The Guardian as a must-listen for football fans. We lied about the corona test result. We isolated our two informed players to stop them playing for England. And now we've asked Man City Football Club to bribe the Premier League on our behalf. I didn't actually ask them to. I asked if they wanted to. It's the same fucking thing. Search The Offensive on your favourite podcast player and listen now. And we're back with a section I'm calling uh, Shop Till You Drop, because the second act of this film is pretty much about shopping. Uh, as Vicky said, uh, he asked her to buy clothes, nothing too flashy or sexy, nothing boring but elegant. And so she heads to Rodeo Drive for what they're kind of setting up as a shopping montage, but they're teasing us. Um, what Women Do by Natalie Cole plays on the soundtrack. Another banger. <laughs> True. Uh, now, I will say, uh, you both of you have seen me wearing uh, Julia Roberts' entire outfit uh, in this scene. Uh, oh, it was July 20, 2019, where I was dressed as Julia Roberts in the blue skirt, oh, the God. white top, I, the blonde I, wig. Blank that out of my bloody brain. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll send you a photo. We'll put it on Twitter. No, we won't. Um, but I, uh, yeah, just to clarify, when I said I, I wore that outfit for you two, you were at a party. <laughs> why are you lying? There were other Chris, people why there. Why do you feel shame? We are consenting adults. You love us very much. That was, wasn't that a night oh, yeah. where you were wearing a different woman's outfit and then you changed midway through the night into that? That was, uh, yeah, that was, uh, I wish it was night. Night makes it sound more acceptable. It was daytime. It was a barbecue. Uh, it was a barbecue in a garden. Uh, and I, yes, I changed from Cher in Clueless, uh, Alicia Silverstone, into um, Julie Roberts from Pretty And then Woman. I feel like you changed uh, yeah. back quite quickly. And I feel like that was in response to my face when I looked at you in the Pretty Woman outfit. <laughs> Did you get changed again? Uh, that would be it. That would be an accurate memory, uh, Christopher. Yes, uh, you looked at me with such horror. It wasn't like, oh, this is this is horror, but funny. It was it was sort of like this is I'm I'm probably going to leave because this is making me so uncomfortable. <laughs> you want to know the truth? I, so I, changed I was quite pissed, and I didn't make the the pretty woman connection. I think I would have laughed if I'd made the pretty woman connection, but I was just really freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, those boots, let me tell you, are hell to walk in. You do not want to be walking around down Rodeo Drive in those boots. Whoa, <laughs> well, painful. listeners, do let us know on Twitter if you want Alex to post that photo and we will make it happen. <laughs> um, so she gets judged as she enters that first store, which is, I don't know, it feels like one of those moments that we've, a situation that everyone has been in, so everyone can empathise with her there. Yeah, agreed. Um. um so, uh, yeah, they say, uh, don't, we don't think this would fit you. It's very expensive. Uh, I don't think we have anything for you. You're obviously in the wrong place. Please leave. And she leaves up. Are you saying you've both been, you, have you both been in shops? Are we speaking specifically of both of you being into shops and you've had the experience of like feeling like they were looking at you like you shouldn't yeah. be there? Oh, Definitely yeah. Alex. Like when? We like, don't all look like, like Moneybag Zane. <laughs> the only time I ever I ever got thrown I was dressed like Julie Robertson Pretty Woman but I tell you when that. it happens to women a lot is when you're a bridesmaid and there's a secret conspiracy in bridal shops 
where all the bride's dresses come up a size smaller than than they would. And all the bridesmaids are like three or four sizes bigger. So you walk in there and they're like, and what size are you? And you tell them, they're like, mm-hmm, but you look like a 20 to me. And so you end up in this, like, in a dress that doesn't fit anyway because they're always too tight and uncomfortable. And yeah, and it's, you know, you've got to pay a lot of money for it. And then when you look at it in your wardrobe, you're like, but there's this size that just, it just gets on my nerves because it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel representative. And I think it's there just to uh, pit women against each other again, basically. That's when it happens. Are you, are you saying... They give you dresses too big so the bride looks better than the, the bride. The dresses fit, but they are they claim the size is a, a lot bigger than you think it is. <laughs> so, <laughs> to make you feel bad, yeah, yeah, oh, they're the wow. same size because otherwise <laughs> they wouldn't fit; they would fall off you. And in, if anything, they're far too tight. But the label says a size that is not your size, and it's annoying. Vicky, did this did this happen to you, or are you getting your life confused with the film Bridesmaids again? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very blurred line for me, yeah. <laughs> I used to like going to the, the famous toy store in uh New York, FAO Schwartz, because it's the one from Big. I used to go I used to go there on my own when I was in New York and I felt like I was getting judged then, but maybe for a very different reason. A grown man was in a toy <laughs> toy shop on his own, playing a piano with his feet. Genuinely, the only time ever anything like that's happened to me, and uh, I'm not even doing this because I, I want to keep up the references to this company, uh, but I was in the Games Workshop in Leeds, <laughs> and uh, I'd been looking at uh, buying miniatures, uh, some Eldar, Space Elf, for those who don't know, miniatures, and I, I walked out of the shop having not bought anything, and one of the guys in there came out and grabbed me and went, you've stolen something, you've put it in your bag, and then he searched my bag. And there was nothing in there because it was me. And I wouldn't even have dreamed of stealing anything because that wasn't me. And uh, and then he was like, uh, yeah, and sort of mumbled an apology and went back inside. But it stuck with me. I was like, damn you, Games Workshop. That I'm a loyal tabletop wargamer. You don't treat us like that. We're all family. There aren't enough of us for us to start picking on each other. <laughs> yeah, so stop talking about them on the Blooming Podcast. <laughs> I'm hoping they send me some free minutes just now because of what happened. I think they probably will. Uh, she walks out of that um, shop quite upset. Uh, in the original script, she walks out upset but flips them off before she leaves. Um, and we don't get the montage we wanted to see in this moment. Instead, we meet the hotel manager, Barnard Thompson, played by Hector Elizondo. Brilliant. Love him. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Who is the fairy godmother character in this film or Godfather, um, who has a fun scene with her where he kind of judges her and interrogates her, but sort of warms to her quite quickly. They they decide to pretend that she's Edward's niece, <laughs> gives her a hanky um, to, 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 to blow her nose. And he calls Bridget in women's clothing. That's what you've got to do in these situations. Call Bridget in women's clothing. Um, and so um, uh, Vivian can go for another shopping montage nearly. Uh, she goes to meet up with Vivian uh, to find a size six cocktail dress. Um, but we don't get the montage again. Uh, there's some business. St- it's proper fairy tale stuff, though, isn't it? Because he goes from sort of like I, I do love the transformation of him. You think he's going to be a real dick, and then suddenly he's actually takes pity on her or whatever, or goes, "Look, let me help you out because you're entering a world you don't know here." And I like that transition. The idea that the manager of the Beverly Hills Wiltshire Hotel is then going to take time out of what I imagine is quite a busy day <laughs> to teach a sex worker culinary <laughs> etiquette is a little bit far-fetched. And also, why does he just go, you work outside to win? Because that's, that's the rule that's I what thought. I'm taught. I was, sorry, that's what I was taught. Yeah, if all else fails, outside to inside is fine. Yeah. 
That's what they teach people like you and I. They, they just go, listen, it's too yeah. complicated for you to know. If a fish course comes, Leave. you're fucked. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, Here's outside to win. Here's some skills you'll never use. Outside to win. Where I go, there's one knife and one fork, <laughs> and that's it. Uh, but Bridget does the business because for that uh, dinner scene that's coming up, uh, Julia Roberts does look like a movie star sitting there at the bar. Um, yes. She says you're late. He says you're stunning, sort of speaking for the audience. And and then we got this meal uh, scene with some people that uh, Edward's doing business with, including Randolph Duke from Trading Places. <laughs> um, and this is when uh, he Edward orders for Vivian. I'm uh, guessing you really like this scene, Vicky. If you ever do that to me, I just can't bear it. Like... Oh, I'll order for you. Just because food, it just, ugh. I could talk about it all day, but it's like her choice isn't important. What she wants to eat isn't important. But okay, fine. She's out of her depth. So he's doing her a favor. But when these massive snails turn up, the way, look, watch the scene again. The way he says to her, it's a delicacy. Try it. It's just like, fuck off, Richard Gear. Like, you're you're ruining the spark between you because you're just not oh. being nice about it. You're being a dick about it. Now I don't want to I don't want to call you out on this, but I'm pretty sure she asked him to order yeah, for I her. I think she doesn't. Does, she yeah. doesn't. But she whatever. whatever. Well, but the, no. She... But I will I will I will <laughs> I will back Vicky up here on him being a dick here, because if someone does that, I don't think you order them snails. I don't think that's the move. <laughs> yeah. You know, order them something. Again, I I go. Go on, Alex. What, like a burger? So she's the only person at the table eating a burger. We're all having snails, but it's more disrespectful to go, I thought you'd probably like a burger. There's some chips. Uh, you know, like, get her what you're getting. Otherwise, you're creating a disparity. Like, I'm assuming that you're not the sort of person that enjoys snails. So it's a lose-lose situation for him in your logic. It's the way he says it to her. It's supposed to be, like, everything I read around this film is like this chemistry between them, this, this, and this, and this. And I see it in her. She is just dazzling. But I don't get it with him, and I don't. Re- I think she's doing all the work because I don't see what's attractive about him, and I don't <laughs> see why she would. Beyond the obvious that he's loaded, he's just not a great catch. He's just not a nice guy. You mean that the person who's being paid three thousand dollars to be there is is the one doing all the work? That's an interesting. You know, I think some of his performance as well is down to Gary Marshall, who who told him to stop doing stuff. Basically, he said, "You've got to be still for this whole film because Julia's going to be big. She's going to give a big performance here, and she's going to be doing a lot in every scene. So you just have to be still and yeah. quiet and and taking it all in. I, I, you must." And I think you must, as Richard Gere, sort of being in those scenes, you must become very aware very quickly that this is Julia Roberts' movie. Like, regardless of who's who, stature, like, status, like, you are standing there on set going, she's going to get the laughs, she's going to get the, the, everyone's going to be talking about her. And it must be sort of quite like, you know, and then the director goes, and and do not try and compete with her. Less and less, please, Richard. You're like, what am I doing here? And so I think it must oh, be quite hard. Oh, poor him. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> as an actor, <laughs> as an actor, specifically as an actor. In this scene, we've got Julia Roberts playing Tom Hanks in Big Giving yeah. the performance of struggling with food that he did two years previous. <laughs> yeah. Um, the the bit where the snail uh, flies through the air and the waiter catches it. Um, I I I, re- I found out this week that seeing Gary Marshall repeated twice. Um, in Princess Diaries one and two, <laughs> um, she smashes a glass and a bloke comes forward and says it happens all the time. A butler. And then in Princess Diaries 2, her bracelet flies through the air and a butler catches it and says it happens all the time. And he cast the same actor in all three roles. So, um, Gary, Gary, you've, you've, you've done this before. 
It's an homage. <laughs> is it? It's an homage. I, it's, it's just one of my trademarks. I think it's cute. I think it's sweet. And uh, I think it's the, the, big break, the, biggest before, uh, the biggest roles that that um, particular actor has had. So uh, they sleep with each other again. Uh, and, uh, but um, they start uh, sort of opening up to each other in terms of um, Edward, Edward doesn't like to become emotionally involved in his deals. Um, she says she doesn't want to become emotionally involved when turning tricks. They both sort of want to stay numb and be a robot when they're doing uh, their work. And then we also find out that Edward has some daddy issues. His father died a month previous. They hadn't spoken in 14 years and he wasn't there when his father passed away. So he comes he comes to life in that scene, does Richard Gere. I think that's the, the, when he goes, I, I hated my father. You know, I wasn't at his funeral. It's quite, I thought he, he was very good, good in that, in that when he's, It feels like an ad lib when he's talking about, oh, I paid $10,000 to go to therapy to say I'm angry with my father. So he's really, he is good. I just found it, this is really petty. She's like soaping him, like with a, it looked very like you're in a care home and someone's giving you like a sponge bath. And that might be because I think it's because I don't have a sponge in the house because I associate them with either washing babies, so get rid of them, or care homes. So I didn't see the ero- the eroticism was dulled for me slightly because I was like, ugh, they're like old person care home bath. Uh, <laughs> what about- okay, well, that's that's very specific to you. I, I own several sponges. Uh, there are sponges are very nice. What do you what do you wash yourself with if it's not too it's personal? Fi- a I'm, I'm fine to answer that. It's called a it's like a body scrubber thing. It's not a sponge. It doesn't like retain water once it's been used. It's sort of dry, which I prefer. Oh. Okay, sponges are you can. Uh, well, I tend to do squeeze them after I've used them, and that tends to get, it gets a lot of the water out. They have this uh, ability to be squeezed. Uh, anyway, um, just that's me though. Yeah. They uh, then they shag on a piano, which looks incredibly uncomfortable. It does. I'd forgotten uh, about this scene. Like he's I again, Richard Gate, Dick. He forgets Barney's name earlier on, the manager, and then he's like, "Guys, can you all just get out of the room, please?" Like, and there's like five or six people there, like cleaning up after their dinner service. So he's the boss of the hotel for some reason. So they all leave. But then it's like, okay, so you're going to fuck on the piano. That's I get that. That's quite steamy. But also, where do you think those men are right now? Like, they're clearly like, are they not just looking through the door? Like, I would. So, um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, do you know what? I had exactly the same thought. And I gave him the benefit of the doubt and assumed that they finished cleaning and had just stayed on to listen to him play. <laughs> And that's okay. why he could sort of go, leave us, uh, leave us alone. I, 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 I'm not a Richard Gere defender uh, entirely in this movie, but I, I'm giving yeah. him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, and then we've got more shopping. Um, Vivian tells Edward, they were mean to me. And um, he, takes her, <laughs> he takes her by the hand and goes back to the shop because she can't do shit on her own in this film. It's all about a man <laughs> rescuing a woman. Uh, but we do. It's not the same shop. It's not the same shop, though. She goes. They go to see their Larry, Larry Miller. Miller yeah. He's the brilliant As guy. Hollister, he's yeah. so good. Hollister. He's very, yeah, very funny. So good. With the 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 the, the, yeah. the the scenes with the obscene amount of money, really offensive. Um, it's <laughs> it's very funny. He's very funny. And then we finally do get the shopping uh, montage. Um, and it's Pretty Woman, the song. Um, although she orders pizza while she's trying on these nice dresses which seems like the worst thing you should really eat when you're um trying on clothes why? greasy pizza <laughs> why <laughs> Gre- pizza's like the greasiest food you can touch and you have to you, you don't even really use a knife and fork for it normally i just thought it was a strange choice a fry a fried egg 
A fried egg's greasier than pizza. If she was if she was fingering oh. a fried egg, trying oh. on those dresses, that would be oh, worse. I'm backing away. Oh, never say that again. That's disgusting. Um, well, do you want to hear disgusting? Uh, in the script, three thousand. Um, he Edward says that he wants to get her a mink that will give her multiple orgasms. And in this uh, in this shopping scene, he finds one that's baby seal. And in response to that, she says, I think I'm coming. Jesus. <laughs> so I could kind of see why Disney might have wanted to change some, some of the script. Um, and she goes back. Or she's all dressed up, walking down the streets with her uh, bags and boxes. And she walks, she re-enters that first shop. Do you remember me? I was here yesterday. You wouldn't wait on me. You work on commission, right? Big mistake. Huge. Yeah. Um, so I'm still reeling. I'm still reeling from the idea that the idea that she finds out something's made of dead baby seal and it makes her orgasm. That yeah. I once got in a cab in in LA and the it's just the weirdest cab journey. The driver for the entire journey back was like he had his phone next to him and I was really worried because he just kept looking at his phone on the dashboard and for like the forty minute journey from LAX into West Hollywood. He was just watching a montage of lions killing gazelles <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> like, and I just, you know, when you just get scared because it's just the weirdest fucking thing, like over and over, like just like, and like the fact that someone had made it and then he was just like, he just couldn't stop himself. I, was, I kept going, are you, are you all right? And he's like, I was just wanted him to look at the fucking road. And he just kept staring as he's driving at these lions tearing gazelles apart. And then they, they, it'd be the kill. And then them tearing bits of meat off the dead gazelle's so body. Weird. Got it, got That's it. so weird. Three got stars. Would have been four, but he kept watching Lies Killing Gazelles, uh, which I found worrying. Uh, uh, so she goes back to that store because uh, these women look down on her and now she's got money, she's able to look down on them. Um, she walks through the hotel, Barney sees her and smiles. Um, and then she tips and the the bellboy and he smiles um, and they all look at her shopping everyone in the in the shop in the in the lobby and smiles and it's just money's making everyone happy in this film. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so now we've got a day at the polo. Um, she heads to the polo in looking great in a brown polka dot oh, dress. Oh, she looks amazing! Amazing. She looks amazing. Um, yes. Some funny bits of business here. You know, she gets wound up by some of Edward's friends and then um, Stucky is weirdly jealous of her in this scene and, and that all sort of kicks off. Um, yeah, I mean, I will say Jason Alexander is not the person who you should tell that the woman you've brought to this polo match is a hooker. Mm. He has exhibited literally no qualities associated with being a confidant <laughs> at this point <laughs> in the movie. And I know Richard Gere's like, oh, I had to explain that you weren't an industrial spy, <laughs> so I told him you were a hooker. It's it's just such a bad idea, as is proved in literally the next scene where Stucky goes up to her and goes, so when he's done with you, I want to go on that. Fuck it. Yeah, I mean, Ed, Edward is much more like Stucky in that original script. And so they changed the Edward character, but they didn't really change the Stucky character much. So in that original script, Edward calls his ex-girlfriend a C-word. He tells Stucky that Vivian is a, is, um, a real tramp. Um, and they don't have the polo scene. It's a dinner scene um, in the original script. And he humiliates her during that dinner, uh, Edward does. And he basically, during dinner, Edward offers Vivian to Stucky saying, do you want to try her? And Ooh. that's what causes their argument. Ooh. And so um, 
I, I, I honestly feel this original script is so different that it needs to get made because it's fucking nuts. I very much enjoyed reading it. Um, so, yes, they have their first argument because of that. Um, uh, she wants to leave him but wants her money and he admits he was jealous and stupid and cruel and, and, and starts talking about her potential. And then we have a night at the opera. Uh, when she wears that famous uh, mm. red dress that Alex was referring to, and she uh, he brings her a quarter of a million dollar necklace, um, the famous necklace scene mm, where yeah where yeah go on Alex you, you, she, you could describe it everyone knows it no I, I, well yeah because it's it's that the the famous laugh that she gives because he snaps it shut on her fingers and Julia Roberts famously wasn't expecting it a little bit of improv there from Richard Gere. But apparently, what I didn't know that I found out this week, I found a quote from Gary Marshall from USA Today where he elaborates a bit on that famous scene and he says that uh, it wasn't, it was something that Richard Gere and him had planned, uh, but there was another reason for doing it was that Julia Roberts was young and went out and had fun. Sometimes she came in tired and sometimes we had to wake her up, which is why they snapped it shut on her face. That's funny. I think on the commentary he said she was hung over that day. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, But she has a nice line there where she says, if I forget to tell you later, I had a really good time tonight. Oh, that's lovely. Lovely. That's really sweet. So he flies her to San Francisco for a box at at La Traviata. Um, Boring. boring. (laughs) (laughs) He he does that awful... (laughs) Operas! He does that awful <laughs> speech you, about yeah. opera and, and that people, you know, if yeah. you don't love it the first time, you'll never love it properly. You'll never become part of your soul, you oh, swat. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> Which is it's bullshit. I've been to the opera twice. I once went to see an opera at the Grand Theatre in Leeds, hated it, <laughs> and I was like, fuck opera. <laughs> and then I went to see opera in London, and I realised what I didn't like. And in London, when I went to see it, they had subtitles. And I could read what was actually going on. So it was like, oh, watching an opera without subtitles is like watching a foreign film without subtitles. Put subtitles no. on. They ran round like the underside of the stage. Alex, as, as Edward says, you, all you've done there is you've learned to appreciate it, but it's not become a part of your soul. So, Yeah, you tramp. Oh, yeah. that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and then she shows, she shows Edward a bit of, of her world. She takes him off to have a snap dog, whatever that is. Uh, and then he sits on a blanket and reads Shakespeare quotes. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my God. I just get up and walk off as soon as he started. <laughs> uh, he lovely. takes his shoes and socks off. Did you like that, Alex? Made me feel sick. <laughs> oh good moving on um he threatens her uh pimp and some gang members yeah, but did you not see this is the reason this is the reason you don't get your feet out it like because like look at his face he's got an la tan richard Gere clearly never gets his feet out that often uh, or if he did they forgot to put any makeup on them because they're fucking like ice well like shark's teeth <laughs> they're just these white lumps like it's just like they look so like, like you just awful they're just feet. because they're the wrong they're color just feet. They're They're just feet. They're They're not feet. They're 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 white like his hair. Shark's teeth. As I say, he threatens her pimp or her kind of pimp and some gang members with a gun. His driver does, which is just a bit odd. Um, Oh, that's in the original, is it? No, it happens happens? here that his driver shows his gun to the gang members. I don't remember that bit. Oh, I missed that bit. I don't remember that bit either. Honestly, I don't remember that at all, but I did nip out for a brew. I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure that's not in it. That's in the. That's in the. You've got confused no, no. between the script you read and the movie you watched. No, no, that's in I the. Swear. That's in the film. That's in the film. Unless it was a deleted what? scene, but I don't think I watched any deleted scenes for this one. 
Anyway, anyway, moving on. If maybe I did make that up, but I definitely saw it. Uh, <laughs> she kisses him on the mouth. Yeah, when he's asleep. <laughs> when he's asleep. <laughs> but yeah, f- fine, fine. I get the sentiment, but the whole thing is like you know he said at the start he struggles to get to sleep, and she's finally relaxed him to the point that he drops off. Then she wakes him up by kissing him on the lips. This is just like oh yeah. If I'd be, I'd be like. Get off. I've just fallen asleep. What are you doing? I told you how difficult it is for me to sleep, and you do that. Piss off. Uh, and then it's kind of all over. He's going back to New York, and he, he offers her an apartment, um, a car, and an account at some stores to get her off the streets. Lovely. Um, and she Take responds it. by telling him about when she was locked in an attic, uh, when she was bad, when she was a kid. Uh, which is kind of weird. That's something that Gary Marshall wrote and added into the script. Um, uh, yeah, they fall out here. So um, he says, I've, I've never treated you like a prostitute. And she says, you just did. As uh, Vicky what? said, I think I would have taken this deal. Uh, yeah, but also I've never treated you like a prostitute. Are you deluded? Is that a joke? Like what? I don't, I get the sen- I get the line, I get the beat. And she's like, but you just did. You broke my heart, whatever. But I've never treated you like a prostitute. I, d- I don't understand. Like, are you mentally or like you you you've given me three thousand pounds for me to spend the week with you at what point was i not a prostitute during that what can't have it both ways richard gear you dick she um <laughs> she now meets up with with kit and kit kind of realizes that she's fallen in love with edward in the original script she pops back to see kit and promises her they'll go to Disneyland. I'm only saying that because this is important for something later. Uh, and there's a bit more business, this weird uh, business um, subplot behind. Edward's kind of happy ending here seems to be that he's going to leave corporate raiding behind to start building warships yes. with an old man. <laughs> now, warship, warships, warships actually kill people. That's it, it, worse than corporate raiding, and, and that's kind of his happy ending. It is brilliant. I love it. So we're going to build some ships. Okay. It's a bit of a left um, turn, but fine. Uh, we're nearly at the end. Uh, I've got the next section. I'm calling it Stucky in the Middle with Phil. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> so Stucky uh, shows up to the hotel. It's only a brief scene, but it's kind of unpleasant. Uh, himself to a drink. He's he, yeah. he's looking a bit messed up. His tie skew with. Um, she suddenly. It's, I think Julia Roberts is really good here. Her kind of body language changes. She she seems really nervous around him. She's like a little girl all over again. And he starts calls her a hooker. Says he wants to screw her. He hits her. He jumps on her. He attempts to rape her. And then Edward jumps in and saves the day. Um, Pulls Stucky off and punches him and throws him out. And then they have a big chat about themselves. Yeah, you do, you they, do. Basically, Richard Gere punches George <laughs> from Seinfeld and then says, you never loved me. <laughs> it was the kill that you loved or whatever. Rather than, Vivian, are you okay? Shall we call the police? <laughs> that's right. Oh, God, it's like, are you sort of watching? You go, well, yeah, you've hit him. Somehow that's <laughs> not enough. He didn't just try and sexually assault her. So maybe, you know, he might do it again unless you... Call the fucking police. <laughs> and then we're into the home stretch, which I'm calling It Must Have Been Love, But It's Over oh, Now. What a song! <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the uh the soundtrack telling us what to feel. Uh although it's still a banger. I think I thought this was the best song of all time at this bit of this. At and this you were right. You were correct. <laughs> Have you ever heard the original <laughs> of this from a couple of years before? It was a Christmas song. Did you know that, Vicky? No, I did not. It's exactly the same. It's a Roxette song, sung by Roxette. It's exactly the same, except it's got Christmas lyrics. Amazing. 
and it, and, it, and it flopped. And so they took out the Wait. Christmas stuff, uh, put it on the soundtrack, re-released it, it, and it was huge. It, it must it must have been love, but it's Christmas now. Is that how it <laughs> no, goes? No, not the chorus, but in the verses. In the verses, right. but we both we both see them thinking what the song is saying as it plays. Uh, she heads home. Um, it starts to rain, and the reason they put the rain in is so that he would have an umbrella for later in the film uh, to get some to get a ladder down. That's the only reason it rains here. But uh, Vivian's at home packing for San Francisco. She's going to go back to school. This is Vivian's chance. <laughs> Vivian's going to make something of herself. This is a really happy ending we're getting here. Um, but unfortunately, uh, Barney tells... Um, Tells Edward that, that Daryl drove Vivian home. So uh, Edward knows where she lives and he drives over there. He's honking the horn. The pigeons scatter when his limo arrives. He's holding up the red roses. The opera music's playing. He climbs the steps to reach her using the umbrella, even though he's scared of heights. And um, Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, they, he asks what happens at the end of the story. And, and, and we, we learn that she rescued him right back, which is uh, he rescued her and she rescued him, which is a line that producer Laura Ziskin came up with. Um, she says that was because I didn't want a movie whose message would be that some nice guy will come along and give you nice clothes and lots of money and make you happy. Okay. Even though that's exactly what happens <laughs> and how this film ends. Maybe, did, did she join on the last day of shooting? <laughs> I don't know what's gone before, but uh, throw this line in. It really doesn't even work. Uh, and, and that's the end of the film. I guess Vivian isn't going back to school now, which makes me sad. Uh, would you like to know about the original ending, though? I, I think I know it, but tell me. Yes. Uh, so, um, well, before Stucky beats up Vivian, he tries to recruit her to his friend's escort agency. Um, they have their fight. Uh, <laughs> Edward does punch Stucky, but in the original, Edward and Stucky make, make up immediately. They're mates again. Uh, he's breaking up with uh, Vivian, uh, and in the limo, Vivian starts arguing with Edward about the mink. <laughs> the mink comes back. Um, she loses her shit and becomes hysterical. She starts hitting him. Uh, he forces her out of the car, throws her to the ground, uh, leaves the money on the sidewalk. She leaps on the car and starts smashing the car, saying, go to hell, I hate you, I hate your money. She throws the envelope at the car. It breaks open as he's driving away. She ends up on the floor picking up the money from the gutter. <laughs> and then the final scene is Kit and Vivian going to Disneyland and Kit's happy, uh, but Vivian's just staring blankly ahead. And oh. that's it. <laughs> Must have been love. <laughs> make, make, <laughs> make that original script now, someone. Well, make that well, script. Well, Norton, who wrote it, said that he, he reckons that if uh, Al Pacino and Michelle Pfeiffer had been cast uh, as they nearly were, he thinks that, they, that it might have stayed a downbeat, depressing ending. But he says the chemistry between Julia and Gear is palpable on the screen. It was palpable in auditions, and you can't really see how it could end any other way because they just light up with each other. So that's Pretty Woman. Um, Lovely. Any more? No. No, I'm good. Yeah, the only thing I, the only additional thing I see is on the DVD, they've got one of the weirdest extras I've ever seen. It's a video called Live from the Rap Party. And it's a five minute video, very low quality, of Julia Roberts, Richard Gere, and Gary Marshall performing the song Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood in October 1989 at the rap party in the back of a bowling alley. Um, uh, two of them are actually quite good at piano and drums. And then there's Julia Roberts singing. And uh, the less said about that, the better. Very odd. I guess the only, the, the only other thing to mention is just what a f phenomenally big hit. 
this movie was like nearly uh, half a billion wow. dollars in 1990. Yes, uh, it was even bigger than the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. In fact, I've heard. Yeah. Um. What? <laughs> Unbelievable! <laughs> Check those figures. All right, should we do the bits? Uh, Vicky, uh, what's your favourite scene? Well, it's the shopping montage. But for sort of weird reasons, like because we've, like you said, rule of three possibly doesn't shouldn't apply to this. Like you want your montage pretty quickly, but you are cheering for her because of all this lovely money she's now got. But you do kind of feel bad because when she walks into that shop, you I believe, I agree with you. You do recognize that feeling of being a bit not in the right place, but you are kind of on the side of the shop ladies because she you can sort of you not not that they they're just doing their job and that's their job and whatever. The only thing I don't like about it is I don't understand why we don't go back to the same shop and like really make those women grovel. <laughs> That's what I would do. Um, but, oh, but, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, there's this, the shopping scene is the scene I've remembered all these years. And then obviously big mistake, huge. I love all of that. Alex? Yeah, you kind of do want Larry Miller's character to be the manager yes. of those women who yeah. were bitches to her. And then he's like, what the hell were you playing at? Get on the floor and fit those shoes uh-huh. to her. Exactly. Like Cinderella yeah. at the board. Yeah. Uh, my best scene, very simple. I like the dinner scene uh, and I like it for one reason because I love a visual gag and the bit where the snail flies out of her hand and the guy catches it. It just made me guffaw. I found it very funny. So it's the if dinner scene. If you like that moment in Princess Diaries and Princess Diaries 2, it happens again. <laughs> <laughs> you can see. I wa- But you see, right? I watched the one from the Princess Diaries because I was like, oh, I saw the same thing as you. I watched it. She smashes a glass and there's lots of food there. And I just felt for the rest of that meal, I'd be like, is there broken glass in your food? <laughs> because it goes everywhere. So I couldn't enjoy it as much. <laughs> uh, I'm going for big mistake, huge. Um, uh, the message is weird, but who doesn't like a bit of revenge? Yeah. Uh, it's very satisfying. Uh, MVW, most valuable, whatever, Alex. Hector Elizondo as Barney. I just think he is so good and with not that much to do in that role as the fairy godfather, as you called him. I think he's just great. I really love him. And the bit where he goes to give Richard Gere his card and he goes, uh, I am actually uh, the manager of the hotel. And Richard Gere's already walking away and he just sort of looks so forlorn and so heartbroken and crestfallen. I was like, oh, Barney, I love you. So, yeah, Barney. Vicky? Uh, Julia Roberts, obviously. She shines like a beautiful, beautiful star. And you know me, I should hate this film, and I don't. And the reason I don't is because of uh, Julia Roberts. So her? Yeah, I agree. It's a weird role, isn't it? They want her to be both innocent and knowing. Mm. We're supposed to buy her as a bad girl who had a drug habit, you know, when she was 14. And I just don't kind of, I don't really buy into it. But as you say, it's, it's, you know, it's watching a star being born in front of your eyes and yeah. she lights up the screen here. Uh, so agreed. So Alex, uh, what would you change? Got a couple for you here. Uh, first of all, I think there should be a subplot with Vivian's sex worker roommate, Kit, who we establish early on is a thief and was stealing money from the rent for drugs. Now she visits Vivian in the hotel room when Edward isn't there and steals the quarter of a million dollar opera necklace then Edward thinks it's Vivian because he's got his preconceptions about the kind of people sex workers are, and they have to work through that. That's a possibility. Or, having seen Hank Azaria at the start with the murder on Hollywood Boulevard, there's a murder subplot where Vivian's roommate Kit 
is killed and Hank Azaria, as the cop, is trying to solve it. Julia Roberts, as Vivian, is simultaneously trying to solve it by going further into the dark underbelly of L.A. using the only weapon she has, (laughs) sex. Yeah. Lose the Edward character entirely. (laughs) Title is Pretty Woman. But it becomes ironic because despite being outwardly pretty, she's ugly inside from the pain she dishes out to those who murdered her friend. <laughs> End scene. Yep. <laughs> Are you writing that down? Good. I've written it. I've written it down. It's so, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, having heard the script to the original Pretty Woman, it sounds pretty similar. <laughs> so I don't think I could get it made. Uh, Vicky, what would you change? Uh, my change would be she fucking hates the opera and he loves her anyway because he stops being such a dick. <laughs> I just don't like it. I like the the idea that there's a, a test that you can pass to, to pass into like his society and it's nothing you can control. You know, you'll either have this reaction or you won't. And if you don't, you can't be in my club. And if you do, you are never trash anyway. I hate everything about that. So she should hate it and he overcomes his snobbishness and it doesn't matter. Perhaps the test should be something that isn't opera if there is a test, something a little more enjoyable on screen, like an obstacle course. I was going to say, like an assault <laughs> course, obviously, or <laughs> yeah. a triathlon or something. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a one-in, one-out policy in his friendship group. So Stucky <laughs> and, and and Vivian have to compete. Or, in, basically, the, the kind of, it's a gladiators, and, and whoever gets to the top of the travelator first wins. Perfect. <laughs> Uh, those are very good changes, but I think you're both missing the fact that this film is severely lacking in a mink ba- made from a baby seal. <laughs> but now, as I understand it, isn't a mink made from mink? Minks, is that yeah. not why it's called a mink? Yes. I, mink, I, I think it. Yeah, mink is an animal. Yeah. Ah. Right. A mink coat is made from minks, yeah. and a seal coat is made it's... from seals. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's that's how yeah. that. But my notes, I said he he wants to get her a mink that will give her multiple orgasms, and he finds one that's made uh, that's baby seal. So, are we done? I think we're done. Yep. All but right, great. That that's pretty woman done. And but of course, Chris, can't, can't you can't wait for this bit, can you? It's the quiz. It's the quiz. Very simple this week. Uh, pretty woman was originally called uh, Three Thousand. Was the original title of that script. So I'm going to give you uh, some film titles, and they were the original titles of movies uh, before they changed and were released. So what famous films are these? Uh, starting off with the first movie, it was called The Cut Whore Killings. Black Dahlia. Seven. No. Ooh, good. Those are good answers, though. Uh, it was a Western. Oh, Unforgiven. Correct. It was Unforgiven. Oh. Point to Alex. Uh, tonight he comes. I know they. Mm. Oh, uh, is it Zodiac? No, it's a superhero movie. Oh, the Batman. thing with Will Smith in it. Yes. The... Hancock. Oh. Fuck off. <laughs> I mean, that's that's. I mean, that's Vicky's own fault, to be honest. Don't, 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 don't tell him who stars in it, Vicky. All right, but yes, it's Hancock. <laughs> Correct, Alex. Point to Alex. <laughs> Uh, I can't believe I, I, I can't believe you giving me a point after I said Batman. Like they'd have released a Batman movie and not put Batman in the title. They go, we're going to call Batman one of the biggest and most recognisable properties in the world. He comes at night. Oh dear! Uh, everybody comes to Rick's. 
Uh, um, Weekend at Bernie's. Yes. One of the most famous films of all time from the 1940s. And if you've seen it, you should know it. Everybody comes Casablanca. to Oh, Casablanca. <laughs> I got it first. Point to Vicky. Point to Vicky there. What? Thanks, I'm Thanks, joking. Mom. Point to Alex. Point to Alex. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, next one is Hunter. Um, uh, uh, Manhunter. R- Rambo. No. Uh, oh, you're close. You're close, Alex, because it takes place in the jungle. Predator. Correct. Point oh, to Vicky. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, good. Good. Uh, this side of the truth. Um, Sex, and videotape. It's quite similar to the to the title it ended up with, and it's a Ricky Gervais comedy. Oh, the the truth uh, about lying, the truth about lying, the invention of lying. God, oh, correct. The <laughs> hell. Uh, all right, story of your life. Uh, this was the name of the the 19- Truman Show. No, uh, the nineteen ninety eight oh. sci fi novella by Ted Chiang that became a huge sci fi movie in twenty twelve. 2012. Uh, it's very good. It made me cry. Inception. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Jeremy Renner's in it. Oh, Arrival. Correct, oh, Arrival. God. Arrival. Uh, dancer. Flashdance. No. Um, Footloose. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, this was a Lee Hall play that he turned into a huge Billy movie. Elliot. Correct, Billy Elliot. Uh, House Ghosts. <laughs> oh, uh, Ghostbusters. Oh, no, Beetlejuice. Correct. Yeah. Thought you'd get that one, Vicky. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, two left. Uh, Shoeless Joe. <laughs> uh, Forrest Gump. <laughs> I've no idea. Field oh, of wait. Dreams so- is the answer to that one. Mm. No. Uh, uh, the last one. Uh, the last first kiss. The long kiss goodnight. And it's a line from the movie as spoken by Will Smith. Uh, the pursuit of happiness. That- the last first kiss. It's a comedy. Seven. seven oh. yeah. It's a hitch, comedy hitch, where he. Hitch. <laughs> Correct. You've, you've wiped <laughs> the floor this week, Alex. You've absolutely wiped the floor. Well played. Thanks very much. Ugh. Thank you. Good game. Good game. Good game. I enjoyed that. Right then, that is the quiz this week, uh, which means that all I have to do, it's my choices next week. So I am going to give you a clue uh, for the two movies that are going to be going up against each other on Clash of the Titles next week. And the clue is this. I see dead people. Not the sixth sense. <laughs> I see dead people. Not the sixth sense. That's your clue for next week's shows. What movies are they? Right, we're going to be back on Thursday. We're going to be talking about Indecent Proposal. In the meantime, if you haven't subscribed to us, please do. If you haven't rated us, please do. And if you can, review us. And if you haven't done so, uh, we do really appreciate it. So please do that as well. We are on Twitter at ClashPod, on Instagram at ClashPod. Back on Thursday. Bye-bye for now. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creative Network. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.